Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. I am back in the Sacred Valley of Peru. Uh, myself and my colleague Marav Artsy uh, returned recently from, I think, almost three or four months abroad. Um, so as we get settled back in, uh, I'm releasing an interview that I did on my friend Samuel's podcast. He created a new podcast a while back. Uh, it's called the Seek Connection Podcast. Um, he's a really good guy. He's a guy who I worked with um, uh, working in a plant medicine workshop a number of years ago. And he's got a really good heart. Uh, I think he's really standing up for truth and, and what he believes in and, and kind of spreading a good message. So I was really honored to be on his podcast. I think it's number three. Um, so if you like this interview, consider checking out his channel. You can find it on YouTube, uh, Spotify, I think all the big platforms. And um, yeah, it was really a pleasure for me to sit down and talk to him. He um, he brought up a lot of really interesting uh, topics. Uh, we talked about plant medicines, tobacco, ayahuasca, um, these ideas of cosmovisions that we all see the world through. I, I have a lot of respect for him because I think he was really one of the few people also during the pandemic, uh, really bringing up a lot of important issues and points and uh, I think really being one of the sane voices through all of that. We, we talked a lot about uh, that, what we thought about that, why certain things may have been lacking, uh, how a lot of that action was based out of fear and misunderstanding and, and a lot of hypocrisy. Um, uh, we, we talked about a lot of really interesting topics. Um, and I think it was uh, it was a really good podcast. I, I think it was probably one of my better uh, interviews, and, and that was thanks to him and, and him leading it. So um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we, we talked about a, a, um, a lot of variety and um, uh, topics both within this plant medicine work and with outside as well. So... Uh, I think that's it for the introduction. Uh, as I said, consider checking out his podcasts, uh, throw him some support. And as always, if you can support that pod, uh, this podcast, that's also a really big help to me. Um, if you're able to support financially, that's, uh, that's a huge help. That's really what allows me to keep this podcast going. Um, Patreon is a really good option. Um, it's a subscription service. You can sign up and give as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's a few different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, uh, Q&As. To all of the people who have done that, to all the patrons, as always, thank you very much for your support. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it. It's really you all who keep this show going. Um, and if you're able to do that, uh, thank you in advance. It's a, it's a huge help. And, and really what I like about it is it works on this idea of reciprocity. So if you feel like you're gaining something from these podcasts, then uh, giving back in that way. Uh, there's also the ability to direct donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to those, uh, both of those in the show notes. If you're not able to do that, as always, the, uh, the the really simple things like um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, um, leaving questions or comments in the
the comments section. All of those things really help uh, with the algorithms to getting the show out to a bigger audience. Uh, I'm finding this intro a little challenging. I'm, I've been used to being in very humid climates for the last few months, and uh, the, the valley is very dry here, so my mouth is drying out, and I didn't bring any water with me. But... Um, yeah, that's, that's a really big help. And then if you're listening on the audio version, um, subscribing to the show or following the show and, and leaving a starred rating and a review is, is a really big help. So um, I think that's it for the intro. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this interview. And uh, I think that's it. Wake up, tune in, co-create. This podcast is brought to you by Great Spirit Herbs and Supplements. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you on. I've been following you since, um, I imagine, soon after we met at the temple, the Temple of the Way of Light um, in Peru, in the jungle. Beautiful, beautiful healing center. And yeah. you were, were you working there, is that right to say? Or were you just, you were doing your work there in the arena? Perhaps you could enlighten me to that, what you were, what you were doing there. Yeah, so when we met, um, I was I was facilitating there. So it's a it's um it's a plant medicine center in the Amazon jungle outside of uh, the the city of Iquitos in the Peruvian Amazon. And yeah, there's a big ayahuasca center there called the Temple of the Way of Light. And um, I mean, that's it's probably a long time ago. When was that? Like seven years 20, ago or something? Twenty seventeen, I believe. At the end of uh, twenty seventeen. That's uh, so five years. Okay. Five years. <laughs> yeah, it feels like yeah. seven. Yeah. Well, good. Time's not passing as quick as uh, as I thought. So, yeah, I was um, I was facilitating uh, plant ceremonies there, predominantly working with ayahuasca, but really they mm. they work with a lot of plants. It's a, it's quite a holistic system. So, um, yeah, in that role of a facilitator, which like even that word it comes from i think facile like which means to make easy so mm. i guess that's essentially what we're trying to do is to uh make people's experience a bit easier um it's actually kind of this role of uh what i've i found myself in more which is this role that that i think is quite aptly called a bridge keeper so it's it kind of someone who can dance a bit between the the world of in that case, the the Shipibo curanderos, the the healers, yeah. the shamans who are working there, and the guests coming down. Uh, so, someone who's familiar with, in a way, both of these cosmovisions, which is a word I, I really like, and I think 
in a lot of the cultures we come from, we've kind of gotten disconnected from that idea that we have a cosmovision. Uh, I think most people think, and I imagine we'll probably get a bit more into this as the podcast goes on, but I think a lot of people don't realize that they have a cosmovision, that they see the world through a certain lens, and that that very much um, is 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 the the lens, or in in like Vedic terms, the the Maya that we see the world through. Yeah. Um, and so for people who come down understanding the cosmovision of how they see the world, understanding the cosmovision of this Shipibo to some degree, and, and really uh, being able to bridge that. So that was, uh, yeah, as you said, that was the role I was in. Beautiful. And that's a beautiful term. I actually um, became familiar with it just by watching your clips over the last couple of months and probably quite a bit longer, actually. And um, yeah, it's a very important concept for people to uh, be exposed to, for sure. I think we all understand it at some level, but for those on the path, it's very helpful yeah, to put words to, to the condition of the paradigm that we're in, for sure, help navigate it, especially us Western kids with the, the rational, the over-rational approach. So um, I, I really want to kind of, yeah, delve in and around your work for a little while um and then i want to talk about like the broader world stuff because um that's the reason why i've been interested in keeping my eyes on you actually because i've noticed very early on that you were awake um and you know we could we could definitely uh say that we're in our own cosmovisions and we don't need to be correct about everything so i'm not saying you're correct or i'm correct but you know um i resonated with the way that you were sharing information and with the perspective that it seemed that you held and um leaning into that concept of cosmovision i think it's very interesting to have a conversation about and i'd love to hear what you think about this um why is it that some people are unable to approach these ideas um, whereas others are very much more easily able to lean into them i've noticed i was very shocked and surprised by the amount of people that trusted the government for example over the last couple of years and trusted the pharmaceutical companies and just dove straight in and gave all their power away where i thought that they would have been people that would be questioning standing up and and yeah it's quite a lot a lot less than what i thought how about you i'd like to know in your sphere in plant medicine realms um i'm sure you've been coming into contact with a lot of very beautiful high conscious people did you have that same experience were you quite shocked when things kind of kicked off around who and who didn't present themselves as aware Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, that word is very interesting too. I mean, I'm 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 coming to you from New York City right now, which is is one of the places where even this ideology that that is often referred to as as like being woke, you know, is one of the places where it really started. And kind of in that cosmovision, even through that word, it's very similar to that word uh, awake. It means to, to, you know, to, to awaken to some things, to be woke. And 
it's fascinating because it, when we're looking at a, at the world through a certain lens, then it, then it's difficult to disassociate from that, and mm. and that that literally then becomes our cosmovision. We we see the world, we see everything through that lens, and and really everyone in life does that. Um, so. For me, it was interesting, you know, I guess we're, we can just name what we're talking about is the pandemic from the, of the last two years and everything that came along with that. It was, it was interesting for me, I would say on the one hand, I was surprised. And on the other hand, I wasn't surprised. It was, it was a bit of a mixture of both. And um, I've talked about this in a couple of podcasts, but for me, one of the the very fascinating things about working with plant medicine is these these plants are very much medicines of the mind. They're they're they. It's often described that they work on three levels. They they work on the physical, they work on the mental, emotional, and they work on the spiritual realm. And uh, in a lot of these more indigenous or shamanic cosmovisions. It, it's a bit the opposite of how maybe again, you know, and this is where I think labels start to fail a bit, but but just using them for for lack of better terms. But but in a more Western worldview, uh, for example, we take this reality, it's even built in this language is is what we see with our eyes, what we touch with our senses is what we call reality. And we look at that as primary. Um, it, it's very interesting because I, I find in, in a lot of these more, again, for lack of better words, but shamanic tradition or, or spiritual tradition, this world is secondary. If you look at it, for example, in, in a Taoist way that in the beginning was the Tao, the Tao gave birth to the one, the one gave birth to the two, the two gave birth to the three, the three gave birth to the 10,000 things. Mm. So this world is the world of duality. Uh, so it's even built into the name that this world is actually secondary. It's dual. Uh, it's good and bad, left and right, up and down, angry and happy. Uh, so from that spiritual shamanic point of view, this world is secondary. And th there's a group of people who they, they live in the, the, the Peruvian and the Colombian Amazon, uh, the Witoto and the Bored people. And they have a beautiful creation story. And without going into too much detail, just to put it like in one sentence, they say that uh, God dreamt the earth mm -hmm. into creation. And part of the reason that plants are there is so that we as humans can dream like God dreamt the world into creation. And so from that point of view, the dream is, is primary. Mm. And from that, all of the duality arises. And so the, the reason I bring that up is because these plants, they can work on these three levels. Many people work with plants to cure something physical. They may come with some ailment, uh, digestive disorders, cancer, heart disease. The, the list can go on. It's as big as there are infirmities. Mm. A lot of people come to work on the mental emotional level. So things like depression, anxiety, uh, sadness, uh, breakups, you know, things that are really affecting the mind. 
And there's this level of spirit, which I think in, in the cultures we come from, we're a bit disconnected to what that means. But from that, from that story I told, it means that which is primary, uh, which in a sense is who we are, where we come from. And from that worldview, a lot of our suffering arises because we've forgotten that. We've become mm -hmm. disconnected to that. So going back to your question, uh, um, a lot of the people that I found who represent the voices in this plant medicine community are often Western people who who see the world through a certain cosmovision. And even though they they work with plants, their their worldview is very much coming from that Western cosmovision. Mm. And so it's very difficult to see the world outside of that. I mean, I mean, you can really argue it's impossible to, because mm. that's that's all you know. You can't know what you don't know. Um, and it's been very fascinating for me, and I, I feel very fortunate in a way. I mean, it's it's been a lot of work, but um, I, I've been quite fortunate in a way to have worked with a lot of people, and uh, and and I think that's very rare. There's there's not there's not a lot of people in this world who've worked with just the volume of people that myself and, and a number of other colleagues have. Um, and it's something that I've really seen, and it, it was apparent to me in the beginning of my journey and then through working with so many people, is that if I had to boil down where suffering in humanity originates from, it would go back to this idea of we've forgotten who we are and where we came from. And the way that that's manifested, the, the root emotion or the root state is fear mm. because we've, we've become separated. That's also that, that dualistic worldview is yeah. we've, we've become separate. We've become detached. We, from a Christian point of view, we, we fall in from Eden. Um, and that fear is very strong. And, and from that fear, it gives rise to all of what I would refer to as the, the negative states of human being, the, the, the anger, the, the suffering, the jealousy, the envy, the lust, the greed, the, you know, the covetousness, all of these things that, that we know keep us, keep us from a state of wholeness, from a state of love. And that's what everyone is dealing with. Everyone who comes to drink plant medicine, everyone who doesn't come to drink plant medicine is under the influence of, of one or any number of those states. And the root of that is fear. But it was fascinating to me because very few people as guests that I noticed were, were actually in touch with that. They, they could, mm -hmm. they, they, they weren't able to really go to the root and see the grip of the fear that they were under because it's usually not manifested in the fear itself. It's manifested as any number of the layers, any number of the externalities that that manifests as. Uh, so something like anger, its root is also fear because what we're angry at is, is something that's, that's attacking our sense of self yeah. And so we respond out of anger because it's a, it's a threat mechanism. to the self. It's yeah. a protection mechanism, yeah. So for me, that fear was very apparent. And so kind of circling back to your original question, was it surprising to me or not? Um, as I said, it wasn't, it wasn't. It, it was because I understood that root of fear and, and how powerful that is. 
Um, and so everything that happened in the last few years to me was just a, a demonstration of something I had been seeing for a long time. It, it was just fear being played out on a global scale. Yeah. All of the things that came from that were just natural responses that humans do out of fear. Uh, but again, I think a lot of people, they can't see it because, again, they can't see it in themselves. They don't know that that fear is there. So the natural coping mechanisms just come out. Um, uh, also answering your question, I was a little bit surprised in the response and it's a very loose term but but i guess you could call it the plant medicine community with how much they were indoctrinated in that same worldview uh, even with all of the work that people have apparently done they still haven't begun to touch at the root of that within themselves mm. um and so I guess on the one hand I was a little surprised because I I would have expected a bit more people uh being able to see that being able to see through that veil being able to see through that maya and and again on the other hand I wasn't because I I'm also surrounded by these people and and I've seen how they view the world and you know little things that come out here and there that that are signs of of how someone looks at the world what is their cosmovision and and also I think that's the sign of of a good of a good doctor of a good plant person is to be able to diagnose to to be able to recognize patterns to to be able to pick up on these cues because that gives you insight into who someone is and and from my experience, again, I had seen that that fear was there. And, and so ultimately, it wasn't so surprising. I guess the the more altruistic part in me was hoping for a better response, but ultimately not surprised because in a way, it's the work I do. Um, hmm. yeah. yeah, cool. Very interesting. I'll explain. Yeah, I am um, in just to bounce off what you said about like God dreaming, essentially, that's how I view reality because I was gifted a very beautiful, clear view when I was in my early 20s through a mushroom experience um, where I learned that I was a smaller body of a larger body and that we're simply one consciousness experiencing itself through subjective points of attention and that really kicked off my spiritual journey. Um, and it's just been an interesting and fun process since then of coming home, but just also learning just to play and be happy as a, um, as an avatar, as an ego and as a person and learning more and more to actually bring that dreaming state into this reality and, and live a dream, you know? And, uh, I, so to bounce off what you said, what I'm starting to feel is that like, unless there is some kind of actual, satan experiment going on like the christian kind of believe that there is some entity that is working to disconnect us from source consciousness intentionally it just seems that everyone's actually consenting to this process and they're in a sense kind of like buying a ticket to the the mainstream show just like you know a lot of people in culture enjoy pop music or the hollywood film or whatever it is people like yourself and i may not want to partake in that as much as the majority of the, ma the people but it's like they're lining up for the 
the main event, if you will. Whereas we're like, oh, I think we're going to try survivalists and go on the, the outs, go for a bit more of an interesting and difficult, challenging experience, you know. But um, I really do feel that's that's what's happening. It's, you know, not as serious as everyone likes to make it out all the time. I think we're just in a dance, in a, in a play um, and getting lost in it and having that fear experience is part of it as you said, the duality to keep us going and having a hell of a time, literally, for some people. And um, yeah, so it's going to be quite an interesting unfolding over the next couple of years. Um, where do you see your work and your like your dreaming in your life? Do you feel like the last couple of years has been an acceleration for you in terms of coming into tune with your own true nature as spirit and um, learning more to dream and to create a vision for your own reality and how you want to participate? Yeah, I, I think uh, certainly the, the journey that I've been on has been pretty unexpected. I, I, I originally... I started working with plants through my own interest, uh, just a, a deep curiosity, uh, a, a feeling of a connection of e even down to, to, to what I ingested in my body, which is, uh, you know, for most of us is predominantly plants or if we're eating meat, we're eating the meat of a, of an animal that eats plants. So, uh, the the fuel that we use even in our cars is you know it's mm. fossil fuel it's 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 fossilized plants that have been condensed down and it's this incredibly rich potent power and and so i think there was there was some connection and and i i had always had a deep interest in in spirituality and religion and and martial arts and mm. Uh, but that eventually led me down to the the Peruvian Amazon, where where I was working with ayahuasca, and then I started doing a lot of work with uh, tobacco and and dieting different trees. Um, but it was never I, I never expected that that would be my work. It was just my own personal journey, mm. and uh, I often use the analogy of like I, I love jujitsu, uh, which is a martial art, and um. And I think it's similar, like the, the great jujitsu coaches that I know, I, I don't think they ever started out like, I'm, I'm going to be a jujitsu coach one day. <laughs> like, I want to get really good at jujitsu. And then all of a sudden, slowly someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I see you do this move really well. Can you help me with it? And it's like, well, yeah, I guess I can teach you what I know. But, um, and so it's a, it's a fairly organic process. I'm, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant of people who say they, you know, they want to like, they want to be a, a plant medicine facilitator or a shaman. Uh, I think there's also a lot of idealization in that, uh, realm too. It's, Absolutely. um, it's very hard work and, uh, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, with massive, uh trauma you're dealing with shit and vomit and uh people's <laughs> you know all of their anger and their fear and their lust you know all of these and the drama as well like because they drama, bring the drama absolutely. with them yeah yeah 
and and that's just in the physical reality you know then you're 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 beginning to dance in that dream world which is a, a whole nother thing and and any fears or or shortcomings that we have in this world are only going to be amplified in that world so it mm. it takes a tremendously strong person a dedicated person someone who's who's just really solid in themselves and and willing to go to these places that 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 many people may not be comfortable with for good reason <laughs> you know i i don't think most people are meant to do this work it's uh, like like most jobs they're they're quite specialized in a way so um so yeah it just it, it it's kind of something that's that began to happen. I, I serendipitously was offered a, a position as a facilitator at the center we were talking about. And then through a process of dieting, I, I was really called to begin to share that work. Um, so I, 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 dieting is a process. It, it, it's a traditional process of going into isolation, not really eating much or at all and ingesting quite strong plants and uh, really weakening the body to a to the point where something really begins to open up and uh and it's kind of like an initiatory process of breaking yourself down to build yourself up in in a new way that's able to then be able to navigate these spaces that these plants are are putting us in touch with so then that very similarly organically started to unfold and and now i find that that's really taking most of my time it, it has for the last couple of years it was something that i was doing before the pandemic kind of more part-time juggling both of those things and now it's really uh become a, a full-time job and also this podcast takes some time yep. um but also the more i do it the, the the more people are coming and we're also i i work with a lady uh i also really saw a real value of that which is having this masculine and feminine force which i i think is something that in these times we've either forgotten or we don't like to acknowledge the reality of that that, that men and women are different mm. and i think it's super important to name that uh, because Absolutely. they are that's part there's, of my work no, yeah. yeah um you know and that's that's the beauty of life is that duality like we can't exist without those two forces and they're opposing and opposite and complementary and beautiful um and um and so yeah i i, I started working with a woman who's a, a very good friend and i have a lot of respect for and um and yeah, so that's really that's where a lot of my work has been. And 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 again, I think as I mentioned, also really this role of bridge keeping. And it's it's something that in the beginning I, I was mainly working in Peru, working with Amazonian plants, working very much in the lineage that I was trained from. And then recently I've I've began to become inspired by working with plants that are more familiar to to my own lineage to to where i grew up to to north american to european plants mm. and so being able to begin to synthesize this like these ancient traditions but working with plants that are more local that are more familiar to people and and i think there's a real power in that of of regarnering and rediscovering this wisdom of all of this medicine that's here and it's just waiting for people to be used and it's been forgotten 
and and in a way honoring these indigenous traditions with the idea of um creating something new and it's 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 a it's a beautiful tale that a teacher of mine uh shared with me his name is Emika he comes from a group of uh, people in the Colombian Amazon called the Tubu and in their myths and their legends they actually say that that's the time we're living in it's the time they call it of the Diro Amasa which is the children of the new dawn it's the the children who are able to bridge the medicine of the four directions to create a new earth mm-hmm. um and again i think that's a really important part which is again naming that there's medicine in all of the directions and that they're equal and that they're all powerful and that in order to create that new earth all of those medicines have to be honored and they have to be brought together so that something new can be created because um, when there's an imbalance in any of those directions that's when disharmony arises so yeah that's that's kind of uh, where i find myself and you know i could hang up the gloves tomorrow and buy some land and start growing olives and uh, <laughs> you know go down that road too so we'll see like things things I, I think are very open but but for now that's that's where i'm at beautiful yeah well we're only like 20 minutes in or something and you've already nailed the the root cause of all human suffering and kind of expressed that you're following your own bliss and um following your own what brings you happiness and following your curiosity which is i feel kind of like the um it's almost like the cure maybe not the cure maybe there isn't a cure but we get so caught up i know speaking for myself get so caught up in the external realm how am i going to help this world how am i going to fix this world you know but um i'm realizing more and more that just by listening to my own inner calling of what i truly want to explore with my being and how i want to explore it and what i want to express it's being in tune with that is going to be how i naturally have a really beautiful and positive impact on the planet by being an example of a being playing with the opportunity of this life um with as much gratitude and presence as possible and um i feel like it doesn't often look like what you imagine it would look like um because how could it look like anything when you're just discovering it moment by moment you know and it's yeah it's interesting when you see people come in from the outside like you were talking about saying like i want to be a shaman <laughs> which is great because i think that deep down they're saying like they've located they've found some an avenue for healing and they're like i want to help i want to be a healer you know um but perhaps slightly um off the center of their own mandala experience they're just outside of themselves perhaps a little bit perhaps not but um yeah it's a tricky balance i really i i really feel like my mantra is becoming like what a beautiful time to be alive and i i'm truly excited i i don't doubt that there's going to be a lot more suffering naturally that's the situation we're in but um i can really see and feel people starting to the magnetism that calls people into that center place feels like it's being turned on to a higher degree or i can just see in my sphere although i'm in a very beautiful place in the northern rivers in new south wales 
in Australia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the area, but it is a um, it's a it's a very powerful place. It's a very powerful place. It has a very powerful history. Um, Terence McKenna visited here when um, he was in his prime, and uh, he said of the land and of the people that were working with the plants in the land that was one of the most powerful vortexes that he's been in on the planet. And it, you can feel that that's true because of the culture and the, the strength of spirit around here. It's incredible. Um, and now I kind of work with a few people in medicine circles around here uh, who have come from Ecuador um, and uh, Central and Northern America, bringing their medicines and traditions and sharing and teaching people here. And we're constantly getting word of more people coming down from the Americas visiting because they have the, the strong feeling that this area is going to be an important activation in the consciousness over the next couple of years. And I truly believe that they're correct because I can feel it. Um, I, I feel if I was living in New York, I would kind of dwindle away and die. <laughs> How are you how are you handling that? Have you learned to really contain yourself energetically and protect yourself energetically? I have. And 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 I think that's uh it's a different path for for every person. Uh, some people are are more open and sensitive in, in that way. Some people uh know they are some people don't realize they are some people are conscious of it they and they work to to solidify themselves or clean themselves protect themselves build work upon that strength so um yeah uh, you know that's that's it's part of uh i think anyone who does this work it's about uh, that's that idea of gnosis which is also to know thyself and um how to find that balance i i love coming into the city um and then after a few days or a week i realize okay i i think i've had enough of it now like i've i've gotten what i what i wanted or needed from it and and then i realize there's there's something else that's that's better for me so um and like you said it's uh I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's a chaplain in the hospice and she was um she lived in New York for a long time and then she's been more in the countryside and it's very heavy work you're you're working with people who are on their last days and and not just them but the family the 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 the, the rites and the rituals the the realities of what you do and how, who's going to pay and you know all of this stuff so it's uh but uh, she was saying the same thing. It's 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 like uh, I think when someone is surrounded by 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 that heaviness, when you remove yourself from it, there's actually a freedom. There's there's a light where it, it, it's like uh, there's a levity when you take yourself out of that situation. So I'm often in those situations so much that just removing myself from it, there, there's a lightness. I mean, I, I could probably be in, uh, you know, the, the busiest place in the world, but there's still a lightness because all of a sudden there, there's a, there's a sense of freedom in a way. Mm. And I think, like you said, uh, there's something about 
laughter and smiling and realizing that while there are problems, um, there's as many, if not more, solutions. It's uh, what the Buddha was speaking to was the same thing uh, 2,000 years ago that someone else is speaking about now. It's uh, humanity hasn't changed. We're <laughs> That's right. You know, these, these, there's cycles of time and probably even the cosmovision that most of us look at time through is also in the coming years and decades, we're going to have a much different view too. Probably also understanding that humanity is far older than, than we think and that we've gone through massive cycles of change and, so it's as you said, it's easy to look at these things. Uh, I see it here in the city where people get really worked up about seemingly everything because we're we're also being inundated with all of this information all at once, and it seems like these things are so heavy when in reality we we're not really seeing that the the innumerable goodness that's happening every second across the world because that's not rooted in fear and so it doesn't have that same energy of of feeding and and being driven into people and being used to control and in the same way that the pandemic was and yeah. um and so we we forget about those things and it's it's uh i think it's important to always realize that uh like for example, even the climate and whatever you think about that, whether you think it's tragic or it's made up or whatever people's views are, you know, I like to think that 60,000 years ago, or I don't like to think, I, I like to remind myself that 60,000 years ago, where I'm, where I'm at right now in the city was under a, a, a one or two kilometer sheet of ice. <laughs> yeah. That's a massive difference. And so all of these things are relative. And is it important that we take action? Absolutely, because we're alive. We're, we're, we're here in that duality. We're here in that dream. And the dream is meaningless unless we dance with it. Mm. And we, we, we can get weighed down by things when we forget about the scale and the relativity and the dreamlike quality of it all. So, you know, do some of these things worry me? Of course, like any human being, we, we get lost in that, in that, uh, in, in plant terms, they, they call it mariación, the, the dizziness of life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the fascinating thing is we take plants to go into that mariación. So a lot of people think it's the plants that's, that's, that are making us mariado, but it's actually, it's life. We're, we're already lost in the dizziness of life and the plants are helping us to go into that so that we can find a way out. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, to answer your question, um, usually when I come in environments like that and like this, I actually find it very light because it's, uh, it's an interesting contrast of what I'm used to. And it's, it's always a really good reminder for me of also looking at other things that are important, seeing how other people are, seeing these other dances that are going around. And, and uh, yeah, I find them, I find them fascinating and, and beautiful. Cool. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah, we've uh, recently had a son. He's um, coming up to two years of age now, but we live in uh 
it's not a rural area, but it's very, it's, it's a town, you know, and he hasn't ever seen a city. And I do think about going back down to the city I was born in just to expose him to it. And when I started thinking about that, I was like, you know, there's a lot of things there that I would love to be in again for a short time and, and experience that energy. But, um, although I, I do believe that once I arrived, I'd probably <laughs> quickly back out of it, but yes, it is a intensity. I'm quite sensitive and I find it hard to navigate. I'm still learning in, in how to, uh, yeah, keep myself guarded or protected in a healthy way without negatively affecting other people coming across as rude or arrogant. Yeah. So, um, tell me more about tobacco medicine and um how did you come into that and um what do what do you see the merit of it for yourself and for other people as a as a plant teacher well tobacco if if one had to single out the the most commonly used medicine plant certainly of the americas uh, a lot of people think of something like ayahuasca or peyote uh, but it was actually tobacco that was the most widely used medicine by far by far it was used from uh, canada all the way down to, to argentina and chile it was even in areas where it didn't grow it was often the only plant that was being traded for medicinal use and i, I think like any plant um yeah, I think it's still today the third most widely grown plant in the world behind wheat and potatoes. And and I think in, in a similar way, you can look at it even like something like wheat and potatoes, which have become very far removed from their original source. Mm. Uh, you know, how many people are gluten intolerant now? How many people realize like maybe it's not the best thing? And is it that wheat is bad or what's been created? is bad <laughs> uh you know wheat is it's become so hybridized that without pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers most of it can't grow it just dies so it's become very far removed from what it once was and and i think it's very similar with tobacco i mean even it's amazing sometimes i hear like seemingly respectable doctors and medical people using the words tobacco and cigarettes uh synonymously yeah yeah and not even realizing that they're doing that because for them they think it's the same thing i mean most people don't even realize that tobacco is a plant it's green it has white pink flowers it's beautiful um in the same way that that a lot of that disconnect comes from from the cosmovision we're living in the people uh, a lot of children you ask them where an apple comes from and they don't know they don't know that it grows in a tree. They don't know how that tree grows out of the ground. That's how far the disconnect That's is. So tobacco traditionally was viewed as a medicine, and, and not only a medicine, but a medicine of the highest order. It was considered what could some people may call as a master plant and and these are plants that are teachers that's that's where that word master comes from. It's often like uh, planta maestra, so it's a teacher plant. So is that when yeah. there is like a a distinct like relationship between a spirit like and a communication that's happening between the entities, the plants? 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way of looking at it. It's a plant that allows us to, one could say, to access spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's working on those three levels. It can work on the physical level. It can right. heal us on the physical level. It's working on our mental emotional state. So often, for example, for example, on the physical level, uh, tobacco it can be a really strong purgative. It cleans the blood, the intestines. Mm. Um, it, um, it 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 strengthens the system. It's good for the lungs. It's it's interestingly good for the heart. Um, on a on a mental emotional level, when when a lot of people work with tobacco, they they would describe something like an internal strength, a, a clarity, an ability to see the world, um, a groundedness, mm. and. In the realm of spirit, it begins to open us to a communication with, again, depending on our cosmovision, God, the divine, higher intelligence, our higher self, our, our unconscious. And, and it often does that through the dream space. It's very much a dreaming plant. Mm. And uh, in... Um, like, for example, this guy who I mentioned earlier, Amika, who comes from the Colombian Amazon, um, they have this beautiful creation where th this story, which again, like eons ago, humanity was suffering and these, this like higher consciousness heard the call of, of the suffering of humanity. And interestingly, like in many cultures, they say this consciousness originated in the star system Sirius mm -hmm. and that they transcended the 12 dimensions of time and space um, with this or through this primordial anaconda canoe so that there's a lot of symbology and in, in, in these numbers and these dimensions and the, the anaconda a lot of these things I, I won't go too much into that but but in this in this uh, primordial anaconda canoe, they they brought all of these medicines, and these medicines they brought them to help humanity heal. And and again, they realized that they were suffering because they had forgotten who they were and where they came from. Mm. And the first plant in that canoe was tobacco. And so often, sometimes you hear tobacco referred to as the grandfather plant. Uh, it's the plant that's often considered the first, the primordial plant, the plant that gave life to the other plants. It's the base. Um, and then as you go down that canoe, you begin to to go into the other teacher plants, things like mushrooms, uh, wachuma, um, things like uh, toe, ayahuasca, um, but the 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 first plant was tobacco and and so also there's often this symbology that all all of the other plants uh feed off of the spirit of tobacco so even when working with other plants often you would still work with tobacco to garner a connection with them mm. so so yeah, in that way, tobacco is considered one of these kind of handful of of, of master plants, and uh, it can be worked with by itself. It can be worked with in conjunction with other plants to deepen that connection. And it was a plant that I had always felt really called to. I mean, interestingly, my father smoked, and I 
hated it. I couldn't stand it. It was like the worst thing, the worst thing for me. Um, but then as I got older, I, it was also quite interesting because my, my grandparents' home, which for me was, was the place that felt like the most home. It, it used to be a tobacco field. Um, in some of my early travels, I would go to places and, and when I would go into these like tobacco barns or tobacco cigar factories, there was something intoxicating for me about it. Um, when I was younger, I, I was a Boy Scout, I was an Eagle Scout, I was very interested in, in North Native American traditions. So also growing up, I was always so curious, like why these people had this reverence for tobacco, because again, to me, tobacco was cigarettes and cigarettes I hated because I had to smell them. And, you know, mm. uh, so there, there was a seed there, I think, in a lot of different ways. And then when I came to the Amazon and I realized you could work, you could diet with these plants, somehow tobacco really called to me. And serendipitously, I, I didn't diet that plant with the Shipibo. And in retrospect, I'm glad that that happened because that's what led me to meeting the, the guy who I ended up studying with, uh, who was a tobacco, someone who specialized in tobacco. And then uh, I'd done a number of diets, Shipibo diets prior to that. But then that first tobacco diet, something really shifted. It, it, it also was very much uh, my first, I would say, initiation. Uh, it brought me very close to death. Um, and uh but when i emerged from that i knew something had shifted I, I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it but i felt something very deeply had shifted in me and then that led me to you know after a, a period of recovery and and regarnering re my strength to to start to go back into that and um and yeah then that eventually led to to me starting to work with it as well Ooh. So do you, do you take people quite deep on their journey when you introduce them to these plants? Or are you working more in like the education and just raising awareness around how, how it can be used? It's main, the main work that we do is running dietas. So uh, taking people experientially uh, into the, the world of these plants. So usually we're working with people uh between seven and 14 days uh for one dieta drinking quite strong medicine uh every night um we're mainly working with trees so people are dieting trees but through the medium of tobacco so it's always mixed with tobacco wow. and uh allowing them to to experience essentially that gnosis that 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 insight into themselves which is what i think is quite fascinating about that plant work is uh it's not really about me other than the fact that, that i'm holding that space uh, i'm i'm only able to do that if i've done that work myself absolutely yeah but that once that container is 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 set and opened, it's really the person learning directly from the plant and from themselves. Yeah. And that's very powerful because it's it's not something then that's dependent on any authority. And on the cosmic vision going back to interact. Yeah. 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 And going back to what we were talking about earlier, I mean, that's a that's a big reason, like we were talking about the pandemic through that medium of fear, 
that people are so willing to go against things that in any other situation they wouldn't accept. Mm. You know, most people, if you told them you have to show papers to get food, they would be like, well, that's Nazi Germany. But all of a sudden when it happens, no, that it's now it's righteous. And if you don't do that, then we can throw you in a concentration camp and we're right. We're justified. Uh, you know, there's a very famous story of the same thing happened in the gulags in, in the Soviet Union where, you know, Stalin killed anywhere. Some people say 20, 50 million people. And we don't really talk about that for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think a lot because even in the countries we come from, a lot of that ideology has been infiltrated into our educational system, into yeah. our indoctrination, our worldview. And uh, in those gulags, it was the same thing. I mean, the, the people who threw those people in were doing it because they they were on the right side of history. <laughs> yeah. They were the righteous ones. They were the ones who knew what was better for everyone else. And and if you didn't agree with that narrative, you were evil and you were you had the right then to ultimately disappear people, to murder people. And it, it, there, there's these really interesting case studies. And it, um, it, it was interesting because I, I traveled in that part of the world and in a lot of these former Soviet countries like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. And you have you have the ethnic Kazakhs, Kyrgyz, Uzbeks, and then you have these white Russians. And almost all of them were people who eventually were let go from these gulags, from these concentration camps, uh, because they were the ones who questioned the narrative. They were the ones who questioned the government. And uh, most of them died, but the, the ones who, who did able to, to come out when, when they finally got closed, the guards in those camps had no problem with doing what they were doing because, again, they were right. They were the good guys. They were the righteous ones. They were the ones upholding the law. And when uh, when finally it was revealed that kind of the, the evil person that Stalin was um, and that, that most of those people truly were innocent, all of a sudden, many of those guards ended up killing themselves. You know, and it's fascinating because one day they had no problems doing what they were doing whatsoever. But all of a sudden, new information comes along and they were so devastated that they ended their own lives. Um, so I kind of forgot how we even got onto that. But it's just you know it's it's fascinating it's fascinating you know one of the things i really find fascinating about this work is it's really getting to the root of the human being of of what it means to be alive what it means to be conscious how the mind works how how humanity is and and these plants, oh, yeah, because we were talking about gnosis and, and knowing thyself. And that's one of the things that's so powerful is, is when we do go through that work. And that's why it is so important also to work with really good people. Um, because there's a lot of people doing this work now who 
don't have that skill set. They haven't done the work themselves. And then the work that they're giving ends up taking on qualities of that person in an unhealthy way. You know, it's, it's like when you're, when you're growing a plant, you want it to grow straight. You want it to grow towards the light, towards God, towards heaven, alignment. Mm. And if you're working in a way where anything is out of that, that's the direction that tree is going to start to grow towards. But when it's held in a beautiful way, I think one of the beautiful things about this plant work is there's no intermediary in between. There's no pope, there's no government that you have to trust what they say because they know there's no king. You know, and it's a fascinating thing because throughout history, again, from that place of fear, humans like to entrust themselves to a higher authority. Yeah. It's ultimately humans, mm. whether that's a religious leader, a king, and in these days, it's very much government. Yes. And we don't see that it's an extension of that same system. We we look at people who have a king and we're like, well, those people are crazy. And yet we look at our government in the exact same way. We 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 think people who are religious are crazy. And yet most many people, especially I, I look around like a city like this in New York, most people here are highly, highly religious. <laughs> mm. They just don't realize it but they're in a religion and it has all the makings of a religion. There's a doctrine, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's original sin, there's punishment for that sin. Uh, you can't, you can be excommunicated. Um, you have to believe in the group think. And if you don't, you're an evil person. You're the devil. You get demonized. The beautiful thing I think again about plant work when it's done right is it it begins to cut through that because there's no one who's going to give you an authority. Um, and it's really important that that you are working with someone who can help to bring you back. Because one thing is people can then begin to look at their own mind or their own messages as an authority that also gives it wait you know i can't tell you for example yeah. how many times people say something like ayahuasca told me 99 percent of the time it was them telling themselves that exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure. these plants are they're opening us to gnosis towards self-knowing and when that's done right it's a tremendously powerful experience because again it frees ourselves that's what it's trying to do it's trying to free ourselves so that we can remember who we are and where we came from which is beyond that duality which is beyond the authority which is beyond the the victimhood the 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 sense of being a separate self a, a disempowered person into someone who has regained that power because they realize there is a universe within they they realize there is a god within that's not separate from who we are and and it's a it's a hell of a scary journey and that's why not so many people are willing to take it mm -hmm. but if we are and we're willing to go into that there's there's a there's there's a tremendous beauty that's waiting for us and 
And it's beyond all of these things that we're talking about, um, all of these things in the world of form. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's one of the beauty, the beautiful things about that plant work is is it it has the ability to take us into that experience. And tobacco is one of those plants. Ayahuasca is one of those plants. Peyote, Wachuma, Iboga, you know, there, there's a handful of them, mm. um, but they're 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 very sacred plants, and and they command a lot of respect. And and again, I, I think it's it's just it's also super important to reemphasize. Um, it's like going into open heart surgery, and if you're going to go into open heart surgery, you want to make damn sure you have a surgeon. And that the surgeon didn't just get their degree online. <laughs> that they have years of experience, that they worked on people, that they have steady hands, that they they know the human body, they know the inner workings, they they know how to clean their tools, they they know where to cut, how to cut, when to cut, um, how to sew things back up, how to heal the wound, how to dress it, how to change your clothes, how to put you back on the right path you know all of those things are, are super important because um, the heart is a it's a beautiful thing and um and these plants ultimately are working in the heart and uh so to to do it well absolutely do you feel like they're How, how much healing can be done without the plants in a really deep and authentic way do you feel? I think everything, everything can be done. These plants, like anything, are a tool. Mm. and uh, We're just quite thick into it though, aren't we? Like, <laughs> it seems yeah, like... And that's why, that's why, you know, it, it's like... Um, do I need to hammer? Do I need a hammer to 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 nail a nail into wood? And the answer is no, you don't. Um, but it's very useful, it <laughs> and and yeah. and there's a reason why you have a hammer. Um, mm. And um, and there's a reason that I think so many of these indigenous cultures had a tremendous amount of reverence and respect for these plants. Um, is because they they understood the power and they understood that again can things be done in another way for sure um but these plants aren't there randomly mm. you know it, it's fascinating because even often when we when we look at these plants like we think that we're taking in something from the outside but actually what these plants are doing is they're a key and we have a keyhole already inside of us yeah. and there's not a lot of keyholes but there's a few of them that we have that are built into us <laughs> and these plants turn that key on so if we have those things inside of us then it makes sense why these ancient people had such a reverence for these plants because there's a symbiotic connection yeah. um, and that there's something very valuable there. there there's a direct path there's a direct communication um, yeah. and i think something that we're only 
maybe now beginning to touch on the complexity of these plants and what they are able to do and the potentiality and even in its kind of infancy in a more western scientific view the the, the real power of these plants of, of what they are able to do you you look at a, a an organization like maps the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies and their their study with uh, psilocybin and ptsd where they've been able to cure two out of three people with PTSD, which mm. is revolutionary. You know, before yes. there basically wasn't a cure, there was some sort of symptomatic care. And all of a sudden through this one substance, you're curing two out of three people. Um, and that's in a, you know, while I think they did an amazing work, it's still quite basic in a way. <laughs> yeah. It's still quite primitive in how they're working with it. And a lot of sure. these indigenous cultures understood that there's an even far more complex system um, that can take that 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 work even deeper. So yeah, it's um yeah, to answer your question, of course. So, uh, you know, we can, we can do things another way, um, but there's a reason why so many cultures, if not all cultures, had a reverence for these things is, is because they realized that the deep inherent wisdom that, that they gave us access to. Absolutely. Um, Alan Watts used to always say, once you get the message, hang up the phone. Um, referring to acid. I think mainly just because it was such a phenomenal uh, substance at the time when he was in the prime of his teaching. I actually don't even know, recall if I heard him speaking towards master plants much at all, even now that I think about it. But do you feel like that applies itself to master plants? Because I see a lot of people doing Huachuma ceremonies, for example, or peyote ceremonies very regularly. Um, in a beautiful way, like tears coming out of your eyes, heart opening, authentic, beautiful prayer with uh, traditional sweat lodging and songs and stuff like that. And um, do you feel even in that setting, is there a time where if you feel like you're, you've got the picture that you should shift towards a more grounded modality of um, presence, such as like a Chinese tea ceremony, which is something that I've gotten into a lot, which has really helped my development. Just a simple, simple plant. Um, and um, yeah, I'd like to hear you speak on that if you don't mind. Let me just paint one more yeah, picture for yeah. you quickly. Sorry. Because I think that it all it all comes down to intention, right? Because like I see like a lot of people as if they were a magnet separating and then coming back and true contact with who they are, even if it's on a monthly basis, but there's a void in between all the other days of the month where they could be centering in on who they truly are. Um, and it's almost like sometimes it seems these plants in a way give people the unconscious permission to not actually do any um diligent and grounded work on themselves absolutely um all of those things um 
these plants were also they they were worked with in very different ways um there's different plants i mean most of these cultures didn't also just necessarily work with one plant they had whole medicine systems and there was a time and a place for different medicines and so it was really important to know the story to know the origin story of the plant to, to realize what it was for when it was for how to use it in the same way that we're incredibly complex individual organisms we don't need the same thing we all need different different things we need different things at different times in our own life yeah. uh the sunshine it's medicine do we need it 24 7 do we not need it at all the answer is is somewhere in the middle there's a time where you really need sunshine there's also a time where you need to get out of the sun yeah um also as you said it's um yeah are people really learning or are they integrating what they learned i mean that's that's where kind of going back to the beginning of, of this idea of was i surprised during the pandemic and a big answer was a big part of that was no was a lot of the people who i saw in this work who who seemed to have ceremonies or experiences where they would talk about love and light and not judging people uh you know it was really fascinating for example when donald trump got elected because all of these people who talked about love and light all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. uh, were demonizing him and hating him they hated him asking. because they thought he hated other people <laughs> yeah how funny i remember yeah. seeing jack cornfield and tara brock do like a yeah. a video conference thing and i was like what are you guys doing like are you did you completely forget for a moment like who you are and what you're doing pretty funny yeah. and so it is it's uh it's one thing to understand something to have an experience of something it's another to really integrate that to really live it to, to operate that from the heart and so there's a lot of people in this world in this work in this world who can say really nice things but they're not living it um and and again i think that comes from not working with these plants correctly you know anyone can take these plants they're not super complicated to make or some of them you don't even have to make like a mushroom you just pick um and again there, there's different contexts for these uh, sometimes these plants were worked with in a in a group ceremonial context which yeah. was really to bring people together to heal certain things you still have remnants of that like where i live in the andes there's a festival called Takanaqui where people hold up grudges every year and then at the end there's one day where everyone fights each other like literally they fist fight each other yeah. <laughs> And uh, some people look at that as horrific. I think it's actually beautiful because uh, like anyone who's maybe fought before, you actually realize that fighting brings peace in a very mm. seemingly paradoxical way. <laughs> uh, you, there's a cathartic release. Yeah. And, and then you come to a point where the tribe or the group then holds you accountable. It's like, okay, fought, you've released it. Now it's over. And if you continue it, then we're going to come together as a tribe and actually blame you because it's over now. It's done. And that's very powerful because most of us hold on to these things. And, and then it becomes truly toxic, not yeah, only for ourselves, but for a community. 
uh, I remember I saw this fascinating documentary with Iboga and, and, you know, that's a really long process. It's an initiatory process. And it's something that most people will never work with, like even in those communities and, and the ones that do, it's uh, it's an initiatory experience. It can take like one month of, of, of work, of ceremony, of rites and rituals and, um so is that something you're going to do every weekend absolutely not that's just not even in the nature of the medicine but it was fascinating because the reason they were giving this woman the aboga work was they said because she was jealous and i just remember thinking like how fascinating that is like they realized that that jealousy would eventually not only eat her alive but it would infect the community mm. And these are things that we just take for granted. Like we don't realize how like insidious, how parasitical these kind of things can be. Could I quickly make a point just for you to be able to expand your answer? Because I think it's very poignant and you, and you keep touching around it is the very fact that we don't live in communities in the way that these more connected indigenous people do and the way that we like you could say, should be living. Um, I feel like that that would play a massive role in kind of ironing out all the um, the strangeness around ceremony. And because what you're speaking to right now is like the tribe witness something happening, understand its broader repercussions, and then they initiate a process. Everyone in the world that we're living in is just getting screwed up in their own ways and then booking into a ceremony on the second Sunday of a month and coming in and then leaving again and living in their own realities thereafter. It's, um, it's a, I guess it's, we're on a stepping stone back to something more um, reminiscent. But yeah, sorry, continue, please. Yeah, and, and that's part of the, the context of of how these things are being worked with. And it also goes to that idea of bridge keeping is how do you take the principles, the traditions, the roots and harmonize them into uh, a different world, a different cosmovision. And, and that takes a lot of skill and, and there's going to be some advantages, there's going to be disadvantages. Um, and so I think ultimately there's no answer. Um, if someone I think is beginning to work with these plants on a regular basis and isn't making Im like improvement, that's a sign that either the plant isn't working for them or the way they're working with it isn't, is just, there's something off. Um, also, as you said, it, it's really important. I mean, this word gets used a lot and thrown around, but this idea of integration, it's, it's it's not that like every time we have a problem we reach to the plant uh hopefully the plant is teaching us something so that we can then take that teaching and begin to use it in our life and if we're not getting it then it, it may not be that going back to the plant is the best route maybe it's just because we're not listening maybe that's not the the right plant for that person mm. maybe it's not the right path for the person I, you know th these are all things that would have to be looked at on an individual basis but certainly there can be that that thing which you're describing about where people are just using these things again i 
th this guy who I spoke of, Amika, I, I really have a lot of respect for him. And, and a huge part of his tradition is these stories. And he would say, before any of these plants are worked with, you have to tell the story of the plant. And it, not only does that create a ceremony, because you have to come together and listen to the story of this plant, but I, I think there's a really deep teaching in that. There, He would say there's like codes of healing that are actually embedded in these stories, much like these medicine songs, that it's not even just the words, but there's there's healing within that. And also this really important idea of really understanding the stories of these plants. And when we forget that, we lose a huge part of the healing of the plant because we're not working with it in a way that's honoring actually how it was meant to be worked with. I mean, a, a, a really common kind of just more superficial example of that would be something like rape or hape. Traditionally, you know, m most of the, the rape that people are using, it's, it's brown. So it's coming from like cured tobacco. And then they're mixing who knows in with, you know, you see all these different flavors and things. And traditionally it was from the, the, the green tobacco leaf. So it was fresh. You'd pick it, you'd put it on the fire, you'd, you'd roast it, and then you'd pound it with the ash of the, the bark of this particular tree. So it was bright green. And they would say it actually would lose its potency after a couple of weeks. So mm. you actually had to be in relationship to this plant to really experience it in its true way. Um, and it, it was applied from this, you know, really long tube and very strong in a ceremonial context multiple times. You know, you may be doing 5, 10, 15, 20 oh. times nostril. Okay. And you're you're in another however you want to look at it, another dimension, another space. Uh, so it's very different from how people are using it. So again, that's not something you do every night. <laughs> uh, it, it's designed to be used in a certain way. And so, you know, again, all of these plants, they have their story, they have their purpose. And, and I think we're a bit foolish in a way when we when we lose that and especially when we purposefully lose that when we think that we know more and we can just take these things out of context and that there's no there's not going to be any consequence to that and i think it's it's also something that the people are becoming more aware of it's being spoken about maybe more which is that these plants like anything can have very deleterious effects you know like anything like weightlifting it's amazing weightlifting but if you don't know what you're doing and you lift more weight than your body can handle at that moment you can break your back that's reality that happens um and that can happen with these plant medicines too and again it's because people are not respecting how they were originally worked with and again if you're going into open heart surgery bad things can happen mm um so it's tricky because again part of part of what's amazing about humanity is our innovation is our taking things and expanding upon them uh looking at them in a new way um 
you know, I mentioned earlier, I practice jujitsu. Jujitsu is amazing and it's so effective because it's grounded in a traditional system that's been practiced for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And all of that human innovation and trial and error and tradition allowed it to form. Mm. One of the reasons a lot of martial arts, for lack of better words, suck in a way is because they got lost in that form. They stopped innovating. They stopped changing. They they got stuck. They got they got lost in dogma. Mm. Um, people stopped. People forgot the stories and got lost in the form. And one of the fascinating things about jujitsu, yeah. yeah, yeah, one of the fascinating things about jujitsu is people continue to innovate with it. Interestingly, because it's kind of you know a, a quote unquote old world practice, and it, it it had to come to the new world to discover that innovation. Mm. And, and rejuvenate it and, and look at it through fresh eyes and see, well, what's working? What's not working? Why are they doing this? What, you know, a lot of these moves were designed for samurais, swinging mm. swords. And eventually it's like, okay, why am I still doing that? And it took Brazilians to question that because <laughs> the Japanese weren't. <laughs> they just got lost in the form. Well, you do that. And it's like, yeah, but you're not using swords anymore. Oh, is that why we're doing that? Yeah, that's why you're doing that. Mm. Paul Czech um, tells this funny story of how like um, his wife, he just, it, it's like, it's not his story, but he would say that it was his wife just for the simplicity of the story would cut the end off the meatloaf um, uh, as a tradition. And so like whenever the meatloaf was served for dinner, whenever they had a special dinner, the end would already always be cut off. And it took like 20 years for one of the kids to ask, why do you always cut the end off? And the mum was like, I actually don't know. But uh, my mother taught me to always do it like that. And uh, long story short, they ended up calling the mother and that mother was taught by her mother, taught by her mother again who happened to still be alive and they all went to visit her and she was like on her deathbed and she's like, Oh, my stove was too small when I was <laughs> growing up. So I had to cut off the end of the meatloaf to fit it in. Um, pretty funny. Yeah. We do get stuck. Hey, but that's a really yeah. beautiful pivot point to something I was going to bring up and you brought it up just then so eloquently with martial arts, but where is the realm moving now plant medicines into this new world because i can see a lot of things being trialed and errored and explored and um the word appropriation kind of keeps coming up and getting thrown around um didn't really expect wokeism to be found within plant medicine circles but it is apparently and um i'm someone who really wants to be respectful as much as possible of course and and walk with reverence and um, with honor and integrity. Um, but I also want to see what doors haven't been opened and um, the share in those, in the novelty and the, the co-creation of what we're putting together. And you did, you hinted towards the prophecy of this kind of like the new way coming when all of these like plants are coming together from different parts of the world. And I think the Hopis call it the rainbow tribe and I forgot the word you used to describe, but the, um, the new world kind of people that are awake at this time to help heal. 
where do you feel like the line is drawn in terms of um, cultural appropriation being disrespectful, but also safely navigating new terrains in the way that we operate and serve and participate with plant medicines? Yeah, it's a great question. It's, um, I, I think like with a lot of these things, it, it's it's often really helpful. Um, sorry, I think someone, let me just put my phone, I'm using my phone as a um, thing. Well, maybe just, yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, someone was calling me. Um, I think sometimes it, it's really beneficial to look at other things to better understand something that we may not be able to see as clearly. Um, so, for example, we were talking about martial arts. Um, you could use that same argument that by me practicing jujitsu, I'm culturally appropriating a Japanese martial art. Um, you could look at uh, you could look at wine i mean that's just i don't know why that came to me but um but practically in anything, france really yeah i mean anything but you know in france uh uh they they had a blight that that wiped out most of their 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 vines some of those vines before that blight happened went to california so then they had to say okay well all of our vines are dead what are we going to do well, they went to California and got their old vines back, but those vines weren't purely French vines anymore. They were vine. They were French vines that had been growing years now in California soil. So when they took those back, they were now French vines, but they had they had California literally in their roots in their mm -hmm. constituency. Um. And, and I think a, a more, you know, again, I, I don't necessarily like this word, but but in this realm of spirit, every there's a singularity. And our mariación, our dizziness, our fear arises when we begin to look at things as separate. Um, and as you said, one of your experiences with mushroom, it, it, it allowed you to see that everything is connected. And it, it's humanity's fear. It's it's our fear when we see the other as somehow different. Um, <clears throat> a guy who I interviewed, his name is uh, Jeronimo. He's a he, fascinating guy. He works for I mentioned Maps. That's the 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 U.S. organization that's working with like uh, psychedelic studies. There, there's also a, its European counterpart, which is called ICERS. And uh, I think it's the International Center of Ethnobotanical mm. Research and Science, something like that. Um, but he said it really well. Uh, he, he said something that I had seen that that I, I just I, I never put in such I think a concise or, or relevant way. And he said, when the Europeans arrived in in the Americas. Uh, I think he was, you know, kind of talking about the Amazon because that's where his research was. But he said, when the Europeans arrived in the Americas, they they looked at the indigenous people as being too indigenous, and they needed to be more European. You know, they were savages, and they needed to be more European. Nowadays, it's the same racism, but it's the opposite. 
Europeans look at the indigenous people and they say, oh my God, they've become too European. They need to be more indigenous. <laughs> Classic. That's that woke mentality. That's mm -hmm. that cultural appropriation mentality. It's actually coming from a place of separation, of not seeing things from a bigger picture. And it's the same thing that they think they're fighting against, but they're so lost in the mediation, they're so lost in the dizziness that they can't see it. And in 50 years, though, that same mentality will be doing the opposite thing. They'll, they'll become the, yeah. the, the, the enslavers again. Yeah. Um, so like all of these things, there, there's a validity in what people are saying, but it's, it's how do you approach that? And, and I think ultimately in, in its most simple terms is, is respect. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's where my teacher for example is uh he's a peruvian guy no peruvians wanted to study with him why because peruvians view him as a witch as a demon yeah that's right that's quite strong in the culture isn't it like even in Iquitos, people would be referring to the shamans as evil and bad people and yeah yeah so so if it wasn't for foreigners coming to learn with him, that tradition would be dead. Wow. Uh, so is that cultural appropriation or is that learning how to pass on that knowledge for the sake of the benefit of humanity? What are your thoughts? The answer is quite clear. Yeah. Now, you know, again, there, there, this is where this idea also that I mentioned of Amika is really important is if you take that and you forget the story, you forget where it comes from, then that idea of cultural appropriation then begins to have truth mm. because you're taking something, you're extracting it without honoring it, without respecting it, whether that's through monetizing it or making it your own, I mean, that's something I really see now in this world of not only psychedelics, but everything is we take something and we make it like our own version. We label it. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, uh, uh, Jason's, uh, ayahuasca method. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Funny cause it's know, kind of like what Man Monsanto are doing and everyone's so upset about Monsanto taking nature and patenting it, but in a way yeah. as an individual taking our corporation, the straw man and then trying to attach a natural process or pathway into it for recognition or monetization. It's almost the same thing in a way. Absolutely. So like all of these things, there's, there's truth to them. And like all of these things, when something is taken to the extreme, it becomes the very thing that it's, it's fighting against. Mm. Uh, so, you know, ultimately, like all of these things, there, there, there's no easy answer and that there's always going to be nuance. There's always going to be complexity. Um, but at its root, it's like, where is our heart coming from? And if our heart is coming from a good place, then it's good. You know, th there actually is a really simple way of, of, of looking at it. Uh, the Shipibo, who I've done a lot of work with, they, they have this really beautiful thing and it, it 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 it's like every time i hear it it just touches even on a new way their their word for good is hakun and 
on a deeper level, it means truth. So that which is good is that which is true. And on a deeper level, it means that which is life-giving, mm -hmm. that which contains the creative force is truth. Therefore, it's good. That which is hakun ma, which means not good, is that which is not true. It's that which is not life-giving. It's that which is dividing, separating. It's perpetuating the meditation, the dizziness. And I think if we look at things through that lens, things become much more clear. What I'm doing, is it life-giving? Is it is it perpetuating that creative force? You know, there's a reason even, for example, in Christianity that the beginning is creation. And who created creation? The creator. <laughs> that creative energy is truth. It's good. Mm. And that which we do, which is in alignment with, which is dancing with, which is flowing with that creative energy is ultimately good because it's truth. Mm. And that which is opposing that is ultimately furthering the dizziness. It's continuing the separation. And, and I think, you know, again, we always have to to do a bit of a dance but i think that's a really good principle to hold on to oh, and and it's like you know most important perhaps for these times i think that's what everyone's looking for without entirely realizing it how to get on that dance floor you know <laughs> yeah how would you yeah, how and do so, you feel like you know, so for, for for like the the question you asked about uh, the cultural appropriation is this serving that creative force mm. uh, or is it doing something that's dividing that um you know it's like um that was one of the things that really i found fascinating even during the pandemic was people who considered themselves plant doctors uh Many people wouldn't be around or be of service to people who didn't fit their narrative. For example, being unvaccinated. Mm. They wouldn't see those people. That's divisive. That's not true. It's not life-giving. It's bad. You know, and that's how thick that that fear is that indoctrination that worldview because the very essence of a doctor is a healer that's why it's called curandero healing comes from wholeness it comes from integrity that's why a doctor has to be in such high integrity and to be whole we're not divisive we have to accept everyone if someone comes to us in need then we help them doesn't matter if they're Pablo Escobar or Mother Teresa or a homeless person or a rich person. If someone is in pain and they're asking for help, you as a doctor, your responsibility is to help them. That's that creative energy. It's life-giving. All of those people have that creative force. The most evil person that we may think in the world is still a child of God. Mm. And... Uh, 
but that's how easy it is to get lost in that dizziness um and the 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 very good healers that that i know they help anyone and so do in the same way they teach anyone they teach someone who wants to learn who has that desire to operate from the heart are they looking at their skin color i don't know maybe they might be like we all do but in a deep sense they the good ones see because they're not operating through a device of quality where's this person's heart and ultimately it doesn't matter what their culture is what their color of their skin is do they have a good heart are they serving that life-giving energy because that's truth and anything outside of that is is divisive it's mm. it's untrue do you feel like we're moving towards some kind of secondary psychedelic revolution in sorts but one of higher reverence and respect to lineage and ancestry and and to the plants themselves <laughs> ultimately i don't know it, it it seems it seems like there's in a way there's certainly i mean even if i look at my life 10 years ago no one knew what the hell i was talking about it you know mm -hmm. if i mentioned the word ayahuasca 98 percent of the world had no idea what i was talking about now if i use the word ayahuasca like 50 percent of the world knows what i'm talking about 25 percent have probably taken it <laughs> yeah, it feels like that um so certainly in that way things are changing um uh you know like uh, like we were talking about earlier in peru there was a lot of discrimination against people who did that work and it's becoming less the the children the the young people are much more open to it people in the west are more open to it it's not it's not as demonized um so th there's certainly a renaissance in that way I, I think along with that you have a lot of people who are interested in in these more like quote-unquote indigenous ways of working of, of understanding the stories of understanding where they come from and you have a thread which is just looking of like how do we take these things and enhance them or market them or okay. extract them synthesize them uh you know use them and and that's not inherently again wrong it's just it's a different way of looking at things much like that psilocybin study with maps um is working with mushrooms in their in their entirety with someone like maria sabina in a in a cultural context and uh is that more beneficial probably probably mm -hmm. but is that going to serve everyone in this time most likely not so also how do you how do you find that balance um and well you know which direction does humanity go uh you know th these are all again complicated things do you do you completely legalize these things which ultimately i believe is is the best path because that is life-giving when you when you demonize something or when you when you create something that's artificial which essentially is what when you outlaw something that exists <laughs> that's out of touch with reality because again it's coming in the realm of, of 
of man, of humans, creating something that literally doesn't exist. If there's some ethereal thing where you're saying, you cannot take this, even though it's right there in front of you. You know, it's this bizarre cosmovision. Um, but even if you were to legalize everything, there's going to be massive repercussions from that. People are going to die. People are going to have schizophrenic breaks. Uh, yeah. Going to be a, a transition period where, uh, you know, it, it has to be worked through and, and again, danced with and to, to find what is the, the healthiest balance. How do you educate people like anything, like firearms? It's it's the same thing. The, the more you educate people with that, the safer the world is going to be. It's the same thing with martial arts. If everyone practiced martial arts, the world would be a safer place. Mm-hmm. You don't believe that. You've never practiced martial arts before. Um, so all of these things, everything can go in, you know, so many different directions. And ultimately, uh, I think we don't know, but I do think that the truth always wins out. And so that creative life-giving force will always win out in the end, you know, how exactly that happens and what the path is. Ultimately, we don't know, but but it does seem like things are moving in a good direction. Um, I, I think the change is, it's going to be rapid in some ways, and then it's going to be slow in other ways. I mean, even, for example, in this work, it, it's moving very rapidly, but it's moving in this clinical, psychological realm where probably these plants to be worked with will be in their synthetic form. Uh, in a clinical setting with psychologists, with people who have a certain degree, and that's useful. Um, but it's it's also other than the way these plants were designed to get their maximal effect, because there's a lot in that story that's missing when you work with it in that way as well. Yep, absolutely. I think there's just a massive lesson there though, isn't it? It's like an unpeeling from a reductionist attitude and uh, the mainstream's obviously there at the moment, which is why we're treating it in this way. But the lessons learned from slowly realizing that the whole system, uh, which has been developed over many, many years uh, is perhaps more beneficial. That is a huge lesson in itself and the unraveling of the reductionist paradigm. So. Yeah, I see it serving us brilliantly in the future, in the years to come. And I totally agree. I think there's a slow and a fast aspect to it. And um, I pray it becomes exponential. Um, and I also pray that as little suffering as possible can will, will come through it. Because as you said, there will be um, damage for sure. It's such a radical shift in how we've been operating and consuming so and the level of collective trauma and physical ill health in the world is so high that it can't escape us um, without doing some damage i think yeah yeah Yeah. and and like you said i I think very wisely in the beginning like uh are there other paths and 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 often the answer is yes like even if someone has that desire to work with plant medicines uh, everyone's not in a state where they can or should be working with them like that physical health is super important and you may need to get your physical health in a state 
where you then can work with plant medicines and um because again it, it requires a lot and if you have other things that are more on the surface that need to be dealt with then we might need to deal with those first um and, Absolutely. and that's that's part of, our, of of our reality too and so you know all of these things again like there's a story there's a time and a place and and how do we work with these things in that surgical way like with with an individual um and there may be other things that are needed before someone is also ready to to do that as well so that's that that's really important to take those things into consideration as well absolutely i think i can see in people that are doing those ceremonies regularly on a monthly or even bi-monthly basis but not as you say like taking the lessons and learning them and integrating them properly is quite often just due to their ill health and unbeknownst to them their organs aren't functioning properly their lymphatic system's clogged up and um, they're naturally as a result unable to take the necessary action of creating new pathways because they just don't have the energy and inspiration even just at the primal physical level to be able to do it um, and it's quite a quite a situation we're in um, the physical health epidemic i don't have to tell you you're in america it's unbelievable so you know there's a lot of clearing and letting go to be done but we're on the way thanks to beautiful people like yourself just living your life path and and allowing it to bless other people so i, I really do respect that and i um i really look forward to watching you further into the future and with your podcast the universe within and um hopefully to meet you again one day in, in the realm and um do one of your dietas that would be a dream come true for me to sit with someone like yourself and dive deep when the time if the time and place presents itself. And um, I'd also love to have you on the podcast again, perhaps down the line a bit. I'm sure that uh, things will develop interestingly over the, the next couple of months and even like within 12 months from now. And um, I'd love to tune in with you and see how you're navigating and how you're operating within the times. And um, so we can reflect to each other how we're, seeing and feeling well likewise brother it's a it's a pleasure meeting you and it's a, it's always a pleasure for me seeing people as you said really growing and stepping into their path and their power and 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 creating and contributing to that life-giving energy which uh, is ultimately not only good it's it's essential that creative force is essential it's 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 what propels life and evolution so yeah it's always really a pleasure for me to see that and, and and i'm proud of you and i'm really happy you're you're doing what you're doing and uh, i think you're you're very much part of of that that revolution and evolution that's that's happening and um i think those sometimes those words get thrown around too much but uh there's 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 a a gentle and beautiful way that that can happen and uh mm. and i think you're 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 doing your part and uh absolutely man happy to come back on anytime and um cool. uh you know let me know when it comes out and i'll do my best to to share it and hopefully uh you know bring bring some of my audience over to you and um and yeah man i i wish you the best and congratulations on your your baby too that's amazing that's Thanks, uh, yeah 
It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, oh, I'm sure you're, you're making a wonderful beautiful. father. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I am. And it's a blessing to be able to be a good father. Um, and I have a lot of uh, respect to pay to the plant kingdom for giving me that opportunity. So it's played mm-hmm. a huge part of my healing. So, um, yeah, I hope to be of service in, in the best way possible in um, delicately and respectfully um, representing them in a, in a positive way and perhaps inspiring the right people at the right time to um, decide to journey uh, inward with them and to build relationships with them through people like yourself. So, yeah, beautiful brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Yeah. And one of these days, uh, I'd, I'd love to come to Australia. So that's always been on the radar. So maybe that'll happen. Um, well, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we have a large growing community of people here and we definitely have the, um, like the resources in the space. So if you ever think about it, please tune in and, um, we'll, uh, help, help you land here and, uh, get the word out to the right people and stuff. That'd be an, an honor to, in a sense, kind of help facilitate your work by yeah even putting posters around and bringing in some people and stuff like that yeah great man thank you i appreciate that it's been a pleasure thank thank you for having me on and uh yeah really keep up the good work and um and we'll we'll keep in touch and keep keep doing what you're doing beautiful thanks mate All right, everyone, that is it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Again, thank you to Samuel for bringing me on. If you like this conversation, consider checking out his podcast, the Seat Connection podcast. Uh, You can find it on um, definitely on YouTube, on Spotify, and and I'm sure other places as well. Uh, I think he's doing really good work and, and he's spreading a really good message too. I think it's more important that people like him really do speak up. Um, I think we're living in an era where people are either overtly being silenced or self-silencing themselves out of fear, which was uh, one of the things we talked about in the podcast. And um, um, I heard the other day, it was really beautiful. It was a, a guy who I have a lot of respect for, Brett Weinstein, and he was talking to a guy named Matthias Desmet, who's a psychologist, I believe, and uh, he's done a a lot of work in the human psyche and and how this idea of of groups can really uh, come together and and really um, think about things and and be manipulated or led in certain ways. And I think we're often, we think we're beyond that or that that could never happen to us. Uh, He calls it a, a mass formation psychosis. But he brought up this really good point, which is uh, he was saying that in the Talmud, one of the things is that if we don't speak, um, as he described it, I think he said this, this genuine truth that's inside of us, our genuine voice, uh, this, this thing that, that wants to come out in all of us, that is searching and seeking for the truth, that if we don't do that, eventually it begins to eat us up. It begins to take away our soul. And, um, and for me, that's very resonant because I think that's one of the things these plants are pointing towards as well is this idea of truth. Um, and I think that's something we've, we've moved away from even that idea of truth. And, um, it's important. It's important that we find it within ourselves. We find what is true, what isn't true. 
and from a principled place really speak from that place. So <clears throat> a big thank you to Samuel uh, for having me on. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, if you're able to support the podcast, Patreon is a really good option. It's a subscription service for as little as a dollar a month. You can sign up. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Um, that's a really big help. It's really what allows me to keep making these shows. To all the people who have done that, to all the patrons, as always, thank you very much for your support. Um, I, I really do appreciate it. And if you're able to do that, thank you. Uh, if you're not able to do that, um, some of the smaller things are always a really big help. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, that's a really big help. Leaving uh, questions or comments in the comments section, that really helps with the algorithms and getting the show out to a bigger audience. Um, if you're listening to the audio version on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribing or following the show, and on Apple Podcasts, leaving a starred rating and a short review, that's also a really big help help. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm not sure of my upcoming guests. Hopefully I'll be able to do some with some more local people around, um, but I'm, I'm in the works of reaching out to some people uh, who I've been in touch with for quite a while, but I've been quite busy, so hopefully bringing them on. So I anticipate some continued um, very good guests coming on. So thank you for tuning in, and I will see you all in the next episode.